This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If it's happening now, we're talking about it. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Ted and Diana are in the newsroom. Will is driving the board the day after the U.S. Thanksgiving is Black Friday for shoppers. And you know what that means. A helmet will be required, as well as a mask. Oh Here's Scott Thompson! Good afternoon. It is 3.08, Black Friday. It is Hamilton Today. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine on the board. Uh, Ted and Diana in the newsroom and will join us around the big round table. Oh, the song this week, uh, today, uh, obviously in honor of this weekend and a big tie cat game coming up, playing some, uh, Arkells, who, by the way, we will be playing, uh, the halftime show at, uh, the big Grey Cup game. Uh, Will's pulling that one out of a hat, uh, I believe for Diana. <laughs> Will for Diana, picking the hit today. Uh, and, of course, uh, all the kids are going to be joining us around the big round table coming up uh, after the 4.30 news. That's going to be exciting. Always exciting, too, on a Friday uh, when we venture back to the uh, illustrious career of Ted Michaels, who is retiring, semi-retiring, coming up December 15th. So we will spin the wheel of Ted coming up at uh, 3.35, roughly, after the uh, 3.30 news, so you don't want to miss that. If you love having the kids on the air with us, feel free to send us a note. We would love to hear from you on this All Request Friday. Uh, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. Phone lines are always open. All right, lots of chatter in uh, Hamilton around the Police Services Board of late. We, you remember that uh, Mayor Fred Eisenberger said uh, once re-elected mayor and things uh, settle down and everybody gets their, their bearings, that he would step down as chair. So we would like to introduce you to the new chair. Pat Mandy is with us, chair of the City of Hamilton's Police Services Board, uh, C- uh, former CEO of the Hamilton Niagara Haldeman Brandt Local Health Integration Network, former vice president of patient services at Hamilton Health Sciences, and as well, hang on, I want to get this correct, uh, member of Mississauga. Uh, Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And Pat Mandy is with us now. Pat, thanks for taking the time. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good afternoon. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So what what made you want to take on this challenge, Pat? Well, I guess in the beginning it was really about uh, being on the board of the Hamilton Police Services. I've done a lot um, in, over my career, as you've heard, around health care and integrations of systems. And when I think of health, when we think of health, we look at all the determinants of health. I participated in many aspects, but in the justice uh, system, um, I I had not until I started to uh, be involved with the Police Services Board. And so I'm learning, and I'm also uh, in a position where I can teach and share with others, um, because I think all about working towards our future, working together, is knowledge knowledge of each other and relationship building so it's really about um 
bringing people together. And this is a sidebar. My uh, indigenous name is Anishinaabe, which means people brings together women. So hmm. when this opportunity came up and I thought, well, should I or shouldn't I? My elders say to me, you've given a name for a reason, so you must take on the role. So after wow. I thought about it, I thought, here I am continuing uh, to be in roles to bring people together. What is your biggest challenge, do you think, moving forward? I think the, the biggest challenge is, uh, oh, uh, there's a lot of challenges um, mm. as, as we go forward, and a lot of the international conversation of things like defunding the police, um, but I think in a lot of that, it's, it's going to be building trust, I believe that we need to change the conversation from defunding and start to refocus our efforts and resources in a more effective way. There does need to be an, uh, you know, a, probably some kind of a reorganization, but of how community safety, which is very important and well-being, um, is. But I think we need to um, look at how we can change the system. I guess that's another piece that's in my blood, how we look at system integration so that um, we don't always need the services of the police to react, but rather to be starting upstream and to put in some of the um, the supports. We've heard housing, mental health. Um, there are a lot of issues that uh, that do need to be addressed. But right now the system leaves it so that if there's nothing else can happen, people call the police. So we really need to be working with partners uh, to look at how we can um, change the system so that we prevent getting to crisis situations. Many have talked about, Pat, about changing the system, how, you know, there has been a system here that's been in place for decades, for generations, uh, and a stem off of of the military system. How much pressure is there on you to get some sort of result with that change? Well, I probably put more pressure on myself than anybody else because we've actually got some tools in place now that will be helpful. All um, all police services and cities are required to develop a community safety and well-being plan. And the new legislation that we that it will be implemented for police services and uh, maybe next spring uh, uh, requires. Uh, uh, collaboration with partners, facilitation with other agencies for joint planning, and it's already been in the works. I've been on the Community Safety and Wellbeing uh, Committee with the city and with other uh, organizations in the city for the last year, and so there is a plan in place to move forward, uh, and it's actually going to be more implemented and directed by community partners, although police are also looking at where they can where um, they can help uh, move forward. It's all working with with uh, allies to work together for the community, and we do have a lot in Hamilton, um, a lot of committed people to make this a, a safer place to live. Pat Mandy has been with us, new chair of the City of Hamilton's Police Services Board. Pat, hopefully we'll chat again real soon. Good luck moving forward, and again, congratulations. Good luck in your new role. Thank you very much. Liz Russell is out at the mall and brave enough to tackle Black Friday. Good afternoon, Liz. How are you? Uh, a little hot and sweaty from all the walking and the shopping, but doing pretty good. <laughs> so, what's it, so what's it like out there? Is it packed? Is it, what's the mood? 
to be honest, I don't think it's that bad. There's been a lot of stress about the supply chain and all the issues of, like, get your shopping done now. You may not be there. But you know what? I It's not as busy as I thought it was going to be at all. It's been, like, I've been in some stores where it's been a bit more jammed. But for the most part, I've, everybody's socially distanced. Everybody's kind of been, you know, polite and nice. I know for a fact, Liz, that uh, this is not your first rodeo. You love to shop. You love to do the cross-border thing as well, uh, which obviously is a little bit more difficult to do uh, this time out. So how does this experience compare for you? Because I know you really look forward to this sort of thing. Is it the same or is it still a little different? I don't think it's really overly different. Because, I mean, aside from the COVID-19 protocols, you're still getting deals. I mean, sometimes it's not as good as going over to the States. You're not getting some different things like you would as if you were going over to the States, but you're still finding deals. I mean, I just passed Blue Notes walking around. They had to sign up for 75% off. So, so what, what about the selection now? Because uh, many were concerned with supply chain that there would not be the uh, choice, the variety. Are you finding that there is selection and there is deals on those, uh, on those items that you're actually looking for? Yeah, I am finding that there are deals. I mean, for example, and I hope he's not listening, but I found something for my boyfriend. And uh, I was sitting there going like, okay, I want to find a good price for it. And I finally found one, and they had a lot of them. So I'm like, yes, score. <laughs> so the, the deals are out there. Sometimes it's just a little bit, you got to have a little bit of patience and a little bit of luck finding them. But there's lots of merchandise. So what about the mood of people uh, generally? Are, are people, you know, participating and just moving along with the protocol, the masking and stuff? Or do you get, a, do you get the feeling of agitation? Are people just so happy to be out and, and be doing this? I have not experienced one negative Nancy out here at all. Everybody's been polite. Everybody's followed the rules. It's been a very positive experience. All right, Liz. Well, good luck out there and keep that helmet strapped on. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. All right, there you have it, Liz Russell, out in the mall, a producer with Good Morning Hamilton. Make sure you're listening and uh, and see what the tales are. And what, boy, Tony, I hope Tony wasn't listening or giving his presence away. All right, uh, we certainly have heard about this uh, all week as uh, the House of Commons, as Parliament gets back in session. A very short one here. I think it's just under a month before they're uh, out again uh, for uh, the Christmas holidays and such. But uh, what there's been lots of chatter about is, should this be live or should this be a hybrid model and allow for virtual sitting so instead of them all sitting there and uh, thumping the desks and, and yelling uh, all of this sort of thing then now you can sit at home and do it uh, I guess behind your own uh, screen uh, at your own desk what is the advantage of that what is the disadvantage of that are Canadians uh, getting uh, full value for their parliament when we have such virtual sittings let's bring in Duff Conacher uh, Duff Conacher co-founder of Democracy Watch and is with us now Duff thanks for the time hope you're doing well Yes I hope so that you are as well Thanks Duff uh, should Canadians care about this should Canadians care whether parliament is sitting live or whether they're sitting live online at home and in, in another venue does that matter it does matter. Uh, Parliament is there to hold the government to account. And so the ministers at least should be there for a question period for introduction and, and debates on bills and other key uh, proceedings like that where there is questioning and challenging of the government. Not every MP has to be there. It's a good idea to offer that flexibility to uh, 
MPs, for example, from uh, the Yukon and uh, Newfoundland, Labrador, and BC that have to travel enormous distances mm-hmm. uh, almost every week. Um, they're already essentially have reduced Friday sittings uh, and Monday sittings to uh, allow them to be able to travel. Um, Cause you can think of the grind of that, how yeah. five, six hour, seven hour flights, um, sometimes getting stuck in places on the way, et cetera. Um, that, that's all fine, but the ministers have to be there so that the opposition can hold them to account. They are representing the government and uh, they should be held account in, uh, in person in part because it facilitates the media also asking them questions when they leave the house uh, and do scrums and, uh, the media is thwarted from that accountability uh, mechanism as well when ministers are sitting in their offices answering questions. So why are the Liberals uh, determined not to all be there? Why is the NDP supporting them? What's the advantage for them? Well, the flexibility is not a bad idea. Um, mm-hmm. You have uh, people with families. Yeah. And we should be uh, reducing some of those barriers to accessibility. You know, some people do not run because their family situation yeah. would not make it really possible for them to be traveling to Ottawa every single week. And th- th- some of those people should be in, certainly uh, be able to run for parliament, whether they're qualified is something for voters to decide. But to say to them, this is the lifestyle, this is the only choice, this is the only way to do it, um, that flexibility uh, doesn't uh, should be there to allow them to, to not necessarily be in the House every day. But, you know, MPs uh, from the ruling party, from the Liberals currently, are not representing the government. The ministers represent the government. And Parliament, including them, as Liberal MPs, are supposed to be holding their own cabinet to account. They usually don't. But it's it's really, the Parliament is there to hold the government to account. The government's represented by the Prime Minister and Cabinet Ministers. They should be required to be there in the House. And So the Minister, in, in your view, the Minister should be there, the MPs not necessarily, depending on geographics and, and, and again, what their situation is. That's right. I, I don't think they should be able to be away every day. I think they should have to have a valid yeah. reason and, and should have to disclose that valid reason. And you could go and search um, absences of your MP and why. And they would have to give a reason and they should there should be a set level of reasons, family reasons, uh, the travel to the riding and those kind of things that everyone has said are barriers to some people running for parliament because they, they wouldn't be able to do it. Um, ministers, they can have, if they're traveling overseas, but, you know, they usually don't schedule questions for ministers who are not in the house because they're traveling. So that's not a problem. Um, uh, it's almost never, and, but ministers would only be, I think, allowed to, should only be allowed to be absent for a travel reason. Otherwise, uh, they should be there because, you know, the opposition should be able to ask them a question in person whenever they want other than for scheduled travel, like the foreign affairs minister obviously goes to international conferences, and so does the prime minister. So but, are Canadians you know, noticing... The, liberal, the liberals want it to escape accountability. The NDP want it for the flexibility. Hmm. And the NDP are supporting the liberals um, because they think it's a good idea to have this flexibility for uh, uh, people who have young families and things like that. Um, but and that, and the, that makes the total... The liberals like it because they escape accountability. 
Yeah, and and that makes total sense as far as you know creating uh, you know, an environment where everybody can participate. But again, you know, at what point do you become taking advantage of it? Are Canadians noticing this? Uh, do they, do, are they aware of this? Do they are, are they concerned about this, or do they just feel the prime minister is erring on the side of caution, and that's fine? No, I think Canadians are aware because there really was no excuse to ever have shut down Parliament as fully as they did after uh, after the first two months of the pandemic because. By that time, uh, we knew enough about the fact that you couldn't have the house full. You needed to maintain distance. But that didn't mean that a representative sample from each party, including the ministers, could not be in Parliament uh, to be answering questions. And Trudeau was quite happy to stay at home, walk out, give a a press conference that was as long as he wanted, that only took questions Mm -hmm. that he wanted, and to avoid the usual accountability that he would have if he had to attend the House from both the opposition parties and the media. And he wants to continue that. It's made it very clear. He took he took a couple of months to open up Parliament even, and now, then it's going to close for the Christmas break, be closed for another month and a half, and the committees won't really get running till the uh, early February, and the Liberals are having a free ride instead of a daily grind, and they should have a daily grind because that's what Parliament is there for, and, and I think people are well aware about how much uh, Trudeau has been using these lame excuses to escape accountability for the past year and a half. We all remember the chats outside the black door of uh, Rideau College, or sorry, Rideau Cottage. Uh, Duff yeah, Conacher with us. Go ahead. Yeah, where he where he chooses who gets to ask yeah. the question, and as opposed to the media running the press conference, which is the way it should also be, so that uh, he gets asked tough questions and can't just lob it to reporters he knows are friendly to him and his party. Duff Conacher, co-founder of Democracy, uh, Democracy Watch. Duff, as always, thanks so much for the time. Have a great weekend. Be well. Thank you. You too. Take care. Stay safe. If you're all about drama and gossip, well, this isn't for you. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. It is Hamilton Today, all request Friday edition of... I'm Scott Thompson, Will Erskine on the board, Ted Michaels, Diana Weeks, making their way around the big round table to talk about the issues of the day. Uh, good, uh, good afternoon, round table. I hope you're all doing well today. Yes, I am. I'm just wondering about his voice, his throat. Like, how how does he sing like that and not you know have it like raw? You know? That's an old song, Ted. Yeah. I know, I know, <laughs> but that's not live. He, he's much older now. Yeah. He was probably about 20-something then. Even then, you know, like, you listen to it, like, what's it doing to his yeah. vocal cords? Yeah, you're right. Anyway, Absolutely. whatever. Hey, has anybody seen the pictures uh, of the new Madonna, the new reworked 2020, 2022 edition of Madonna? Like the Ford Bronco, she's been totally reworked. Nope. Has, has anybody seen the new pictures of Madonna? Nope. nope. I'll leave it at that, and <laughs> all got some assignment to do, and we'll wait and see what your opinion is Next of question. all of them on Monday. Next question. Okay. Next question. That's Ask it. us we'll if we care. That. Ask us if we care. Oh, you'll care, Ted. You'll care. Believe me, you'll care. All right, let's uh, move on with the poll question of the day. This is pretty cool, because you cannot accuse Hamilton of being a sleepy town when we got three major uh, sporting uh, events coming up uh, in a very short period of time. The Grey Cup, uh, the World Cup qualifier, the outdoor game. What Hamilton sporting event are you most looking forward to? Uh, our listeners on the poll have said 31% the Grey Cup, the World, uh, World Cup qualifier 46%, outdoor game 21%. What are your thoughts, Ted? Which one are you looking most forward to? Probably the soccer game because you know it's a pretty big thing. Like The, the Grey Cup has been here. It will be here again. Uh, hockey games, I'm kind of getting really blasé about outdoor hockey games, but this one, and I know they're going to be talking about January and the weather. I get it, but if 
if you get that aside, just the fact that Canada is playing the U.S. in men's soccer in a huge game uh, as they get ready for uh, go to the World Cup, that's the one that intrigues me. Now, am I going to sit outside? No, but from an intriguing <laughs> standpoint... Uh, you got the long johns? Come on, no, get out there. I'll say it again. At my house, the beer is cold, the coffee is warm, and there's there no go. washroom lineups. There you go. All right. Uh, I, I love the international flair of this, and that's clearly why this is way out in front. Diana, are you excited about the World Cup? Is that your uh, chosen event out of all of these three? No, I'm excited about the Grey Cup because I'm actually mm-hmm. going. Um, unlike cool. Ted, I will be cold, but I will try oh. to bundle up as much as possible and enjoy the outdoorness of it all. Uh, excited for the other two, though, as well. Um, not, I don't know if I'm going to the other two yet, but um, it sure is exciting that Hamilton is uh, going to be hosting all of these. This is Wonderful news, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, would we have seen this 10 years ago? I don't think we would have. All right, Will, what are your thoughts? Uh, Which one of these? I know there's no movie theater listed here. That might have changed your opinion here. (laughs) Yeah, the movie uh, trivia world championships. They left that off the list. That's right. Or go to a movie for Will. Well, you know what? I'm going to spread the love around and say I'm very curious about the Leafs-Sabers outdoor game. But I think I've got the tunnel vision right now. I'm just fixated on Grey Cup. That's what I'm most excited about. I thought we wouldn't see a little bit more uh, participation around the outdoor game, but again, it's like you got a full plate here, so <laughs> everything there is good, so enjoy. All right, Ticats win this weekend. The performance of the Ticats this weekend against Montreal, uh, Sunday, 1 o'clock, and the pregame here on CHML starts at 11. Ted, your thoughts? You predicted uh, the last tilt, yep. and what are you thinking about this one? Here's what I think, and I underline and emphasize, should happen. What should happen in this game is the Tiger Cats should destroy the Alouettes, and it should not be close. That's hmm. what I think should happen. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Oh, oh, Teddy, come on. No. Oh, boy. All right. Why don't you think it's going to happen? Uh, too overconfident? What do you, come I, I just like the whole underdog yeah. road team story, the Alouettes. Now, I, again, I don't think that they're going to win, but wouldn't it be a great story? And and the fans no. are and the fans are see and, and now they're all oh, they're starting oh my god they're attacking the station why here they Hamilton? come this Tiger Town why do I have to be a cheerleader why Ted this is our this is our, it's our team this is our team says who my team's a Green Bay Packers that's NFL we're talking CFL here. I just like the whole uh, underdog story. That's all. But again, I think the Tiger Cats should destroy them quite handily. And if it goes away, I think it should go. Uh, this game may be over by the first quarter. Oh, boy. I, I thought Diana had a pin there. I was ready to do a count there. All right. What are you thinking, Diana? <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be closer than Ted thinks it is. I think that the Tiger Cats are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be such a shutout as, as Ted's saying. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. All right, today is Black Friday. It's the big shopping day, but we are still in a bit of a global pandemic. We had Liz uh, Liz Russell on earlier today, a producer for Good Morning Hamilton. She's like, uh, she's totally into it. She goes to the state. She she loves jumping on board Black Friday. She said it wasn't as busy as what she thought it would be. Do you take advantage of these deals, Ted? 
Um, I actually did. Ted, have you ever seen a shopping mall before? Actually, I went, just so you know, there was, I'm not going to mention them on air, but there was a store that I had to go and purchase a household item. Uh, I had to go purchase a, a, a carpet, like a rug today, and they had a Black Friday sale. They were open at 6 o'clock. Did I go at 6? No, but I went in there. Ordered it. Nobody in the store at that time. Easy peasy. Go in. So there you go. My other question is if Liz is calling you and she's out shopping, did the station give her an expense account? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what I want to know is who's getting the rug for Christmas in your family? Oh. Uh, no, this, no, this is just to, to brighten up something. That's all. I see. All right, Diana, do you jump on board the whole Black Friday thing? No, I do not. I can't stand going into malls. I can't stand busy stores. I get hot. I get sweaty. I start having a panic attack. I do not like it. Um, You sound like me. Yeah. I don't. I do enjoy shopping online. So there's plenty of Black Friday sales online. Uh, The excitement of today was that I ordered a... (laughs) $8.95 HDMI cable from Amazon. Yeah, we needed a new one. Goodbye. It was on sale on Black Friday. And it's uh, with Prime, it's coming tomorrow. So that's pretty good. This is my point, though. though. Uh, Very quickly, have you noticed we haven't had any stories today about those lineups? Usually on Thanksgiving in the (laughs) States where (laughs) Where they line up at 6 killing each other after. (laughs) And they're jumping over each other. 6 o'clock at night, they line up and spend 12 hours. No, 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 just not. I wonder if that's gone forever. I wonder if that'll ever return. I mean, will we watch tonight and see shots on the news of people like just, as Ted said, busting through the doors? Yes. I wonder if we'll see that again. Somebody will be maimed. All right. Uh, So uh, let's talk about uh, really quickly the variant of concern. Are you concerned? It's interesting. We're talking to a pollster later on about whether we should be dropping protocol. And now, blam, uh, this has come out and we're talking about uh, restrictions and flight and such. Ted, you want to weigh in? I just hope that, uh, well, let's put it this way. And I know people are going to say, see, they're starting already. At least now it seems that the whole world is getting a little more proactive about this. They're being very cautious just to make sure because obviously none of us wants to go back to what we were this time last year concerned diana yeah i i am um i'm not overly concerned but i'm cautiously guarded maybe uh i feel like i don't want to get too excited or scared about it right now until we know more but i do not like hearing that they named it and i do not like that they named it as a Mm. variant of concern and you know it's just kind of scary to me right now <laughs> so will you want to weigh in yeah well the name sounds like a transformers villain and uh i'm concerned enough to get out the 10 foot jabbing pole to keep people away from me uh it's a reminder that it's a global issue and we need to get vaccines to all around the world but for the most part i yeah i'm probably going to slow my roll a little bit maybe only one movie this weekend all right yeah. there you go uh thank you to the round table will erskine diana weeks and ted michaels as always much appreciated You know, it's amazing how things can change in a very, very short period of time. You know, we were talking uh, to Ipsos yesterday in regard to... Uh, in regard to inflation and how during the election campaign that really wasn't a big deal and now all of a sudden it's like the number one issue just a few short weeks later uh, and again you know here is Ontario doing relatively well trying to make our way through uh, this stage of this global pandemic with a very very and you know <laughs> 
thankfully, a, a great deal of people uh, vaccinated and fully vaccinated and such. So many people start to say, well, how long are we going to do this? And then all of a sudden today we wake up and there's another variant of concern. So where are we when it comes to vaccine mandates and protocols? Should they be lifted? Do we continue or could this be a permanent way of life? Let's bring in Sean Simpson, VP of Ipsos Public Affairs and with us now. Sean, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I am. Thank you. So how are we feeling about lifting these sorts of mandates and protocols and such? And now is it all changing because of the addition of a new variant? Well, uh, we're mixed. Uh, and uh, I mean, the, the, the poll was, was in the field before, you know, some of these things came to, came to light. But uh, clearly what, what the, it's going to be an issue for government to ease the mandates because there's no clear direction forward from Canadians on it. I'll just give you an example. So if we take uh, uh, a activity like dining in a restaurant, attending a movie, etc., you know, those are some of those uh, entertainment activities that we like to engage in. Uh, 31% of Canadians, one in three of us, say that we should end those mandates when the year ends. Uh, another 23% say sometime next year. So that makes it a majority of Canadians, you know, sometime next year, but by then. Another 9% say, well, not until 2023. And then you've got another group of people who say it actually shouldn't be timed, but rather either when the WHO declares that the pandemic is over, 16% of people said that, and 20% said, well, it's actually not up to any of them. It's up to when we determine in Canada that our infection rates are, are negligible. So, you know, you've got Canadians kind of split up between about a quarter of them this year, a quarter of the next year the quarter of them kind of indefinitely in the final quarter saying, well, not until the WHO or the government declares it, we're, we're okay. Man, we're still pretty divided on all of this, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. And, and um, not only are we, are, are we divided in terms of kind of uh, duration that, that these mandates should be in, in effect for, we're not entirely consistent on the rules for all the different activities. So for example, uh, you know, one, 35% of Canadians think that we should end that vaccine mandates um, that are in place in workplaces uh, before the end of the year. So a fairly quick uh, time period for that. But then when it comes to uh, hospitals or long-term cares, uh, significantly fewer think that those should end before the end of the year. When it comes to uh, requiring vaccination uh, for incoming travelers to Canada, very few want to get rid of those because, of course, that impacts other people and, and not us. So we're happy mm. to have those. Moreover, there are divisions based on age. Younger people uh, much more supportive of getting rid of vaccine mandates on a, at an earlier uh, time threshold than a later one. And also we're seeing gender variation. Men more likely to, 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 to say we should be getting rid of these mandates. Women more likely to want them uh, longer term. So there is no consensus here across Canada. I mean, what's the government supposed to do now uh, when, when Canadians haven't, haven't you know, given them a clear way forward? Uh, good point. You have to wonder, though, if they will ever end and if Canadians are even thinking of that. I mean, they may end in some form, but in also in some other form, they will they will still be there. Do you think Canadians will accept that? Well, I, yeah, I, I think the, their opinion is going to evolve with the case counts in Canada and, and, and what's what's before them. I mean, uh, clearly, they are still a little bit cautious 
uh, understanding that, uh, you know, at this time last year, things started to get worse when we had the holidays. We had that spike in January, necessitated closing things down. I don't think they're there. I don't think Canadians are supportive of, of lockdowns and, and, and they, they want to keep things open and realize that the, the cost of doing so may mean that we need to keep some of these vaccine mandates, the mask mandates, the, the physical distancing mandates, keep all of those in place so that we can at least remain open. We can still go to the movie theaters, out for dinner, and, and most importantly, keep our kids in school. We certainly were told, uh, Sean, that this would come as we headed indoors and as the colder climbs uh, uh, continued. Uh, do you anticipate these feelings to continue right through the winter? Yeah, well, in fact, if we stay where we are right now, and as you said in the introduction, in Ontario, it's reasonably under control. And I think, you know, most Ontarians acknowledge that. Uh, if things stay where they are, we might see uh, Canadians loosening up a little bit and saying, well, you know, maybe maybe we'll, you know, have a look at the spring and see see what's happening there and maybe start to ease things uh, as, as, the, uh, as the summer months uh, come. But for now, no consensus, uh, a divided nation, uh, regionally, uh, by generation, by gender. And uh, I think until there's a clear way forward that Canadians are, are advocating for, governments are just going to say, well, we'll stick with the status quo. How do we feel about traveling with all of this? Because we are starting to see more planes in the sky. Yeah, we are. Uh, certainly, you know, given the the, the the number of planes that we're seeing and airports are starting to fill up, uh, Canadians are becoming more comfortable traveling. But I think part of that comfort is because there, there are vaccine mandates. Uh, uh, you know, Air Canada and the other airlines are taking steps to, to, to ensure safety. Uh, and only 24% say that we should be getting rid of, of, of those vaccine mandates on airplanes before before the end of the year. In fact, that's one of the activities that's a little bit um, longer horizon. Uh, because, you know, you're, you're in a close place with other people who are traveling from, you know, all corners of the world. Uh, and so even if you don't necessarily catch it on a plane, you know, there are people who are traveling that have been in hot spots in other places. And I think they, they, they see it as prudent to have those measures in place. Sean Simpson with us, VP of Ipsos Public Affairs, gauging where Canadians' minds are in regard to vaccine mandates and protocol. Sean, thanks for the time. As always, be well. My pleasure. Enjoy your weekend. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. All right. We were just starting to feel good. We were uh, we're all pretty much fully vaccinated. Uh, we're very close to 90% of those eligible that uh, can get vaccinated. We've obviously just opened it up to the kids, 5 to 11, uh, earlier on. Uh, and now we're hearing a new variant coming out of South Africa. And it seems to have uh, enough people concerned that it has restricted travel. Uh, in and out of there. Let's bring in Dr. Timothy Sly, epidemiologist, professor, School of Population, Public Health with Ryerson University, and with us now. Tim, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I certainly am, Scott. All right. Your thoughts on this new variant of concern? Uh, obviously, it's it's restricting travel in and out of uh, South Africa. What are your thoughts, Tim? 
Well, this virus has undergone a lot of variation. People that probably don't know this, more than 200 actual variations have appeared. Not many of them get into the... Uh, uh, a variant of, of interest level, but this one seems to shot right to the variant of concern category, which is the one that uh, everybody's looking at. The main reason is that this seems to have a lot of variants, a lot of mutations on the part of the protein, the spike protein that, that deals with connecting onto your and my cells if it happens to be inhaled. Uh, Delta only had a, uh, two of these things, and uh, this has got about 10 mutations. Nobody mm. really knows exactly what this actually means. There's, there's only a handful of actual cases that have been studied so far in the world. There's two in Hong Kong, and there's, um, South Africa is really the center of this thing. But what the concern is about is that there's some indication that this might be associated with a sudden and rather alarming spike in the incidence in South Africa. Uh, and also, uh, because of the uh, connection with the spike protein, it might, uh, it may, we don't know for sure, but it might uh, e evade or not be arrested or, or, or stopped by the antibodies that we've built up through either vaccination or having recovered from an infection. So those two things together make it uh, a variant of concern. So how has this changed the narrative moving forward? Uh, travel restrictions we're hearing about through the government, is that going to help? How does this change where we were last week? Well, you know, in the past, it, it hasn't helped in a guaranteed way, but it's the kind of thing that you wish that you would have done earlier uh, if you didn't do it earlier. You know, in the past, we've, we've wondered about that. So in this case, uh, many countries, including Canada and uh, the UK, have actually suddenly put in restrictions about flights to and from South Africa. The problem is, if you really want to get from South Africa to Canada, you go via another country, and you can't really track yeah, two ways. Yeah, there are no direct flights from Canada to South exactly. Africa. You're going in and out of Europe exactly. anyway, right? Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing you do, we, 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 because it's concerned, we need to not let down your guard. I mean, I looked at a picture just from today transmitted by uh, the BBC, actually, I think it was. And street scene, crowded streets in Oxford Street, nobody wearing, I think one person out of probably about 200 wearing a mask. I mean, that's, that's letting their guard down. Let's not carry on that kind of silliness. Keep the guard going. Keep up the vaccination. Uh, let's fingers crossed that this doesn't interfere with the protection we've built up with vaccination and that vaccinations still hold good. Uh, and uh, w lots of research, you can be darn sure that uh, tonight, tomorrow, the weekend, there's lots of research going on about this thing. What does it actually mean? Obviously, uh, you know, we, we've been restricted for a long period of time. Now that there's more vaccinations, some of those restrictions are, leave, are, are being released and such. We're certainly seeing a lot more planes flying around. We're hearing that travel is, is increasing. Uh, flights are getting booked. Uh, there's backlogs at passport offices and such. What does this mean for those that are planning, planning on traveling over this winter? Oh, I wish I had the answer to that. What it means is that right now, this today in the afternoon, Friday afternoon, a uh, lot of people in the world are concerned. Nobody's panicking, but we're certainly concerned and need a lot more information. Uh, what it what it uh, essentially means is that we've got to uh, carry on that caution and that that uh, that that protective sort of 
sense of as we're going into the Christmas holiday season now, we've got to not let the guard down again. So that masking has got to be up there. We know that works with all variants. So there's no doubt about that. But remember that variants can present with three situations. One is that they transmit more effectively. And all so far, the, va- the variants we've had, that's the category they've been in. They, they, they move between persons more. The second one is that they evade the antibodies that we've built up. And this one shows some signs that it might be able to do that. And that's worrying because we've spent so much time and effort building up those antibodies. If this manages to evade that, then we're, you know, we're in a bit of a trouble there. And the third one is that it causes more severe illness. Now, that no variant so far has shown that it causes more severe illness. Fingers crossed that this was, doesn't do that. But it, it may be hitting the, the mark on two of those things. But it's a little early to say, but this is the time to be investigating and be cautious and also to be protective. What are the manufacturers of these vaccines for COVID-19? How do they react to this kind of information, this kind of news? Oh, they're going to be sitting on the edge of their chairs with white knuckles and so on to find out what everybody else wants to find out. What does this actually mean in the real terms? The, the, the most concerning thing, uh, I was listening to Ulrich uh, Elling, who's a virologist in Vienna, but he's quite closely watching the situation in South Africa. They've gone through a, a very dynamic spike in numbers going up several hundred times within just about a week. And uh, there isn't, apparently, a, a big up, upwelling of the delta. So something else is causing that increase, and he's wondering whether this could be the new, the new variant. So a lot of people, edge of the seat tonight, we want to find out what's going on with this. It may not. I mean, there's been a lot of variants have come and gone and have got people worried for a bit, and they've disappeared. But it's always good to uh, think about what might be going wrong and then sort of recover afterwards rather than uh, figuring out this is nothing and then regretting not having moved a little more rapidly. And I guess, Tim, this, uh, again, emphasizes the need to get the entire world vaccinated and make sure we hit all corners uh, of the world in order to get a handle on these new variants. That's true. And you can you can push back a little bit and look at the broader picture on that and say, look, at this is another variant that's come out of a very... Uh, active viral transmission area, South, Southern Africa, generally Botswana and South Africa. And if, if we had somehow encouraged more vaccines to be shipped to those countries and to get over their hesitancy, we might not be in a position where we're looking at another possibly more dangerous variant. Variants only occur when they're traveling, when they're moving much more rapidly, where the vaccines have not been given for one reason or another. So that's another reason to get it into the third world countries as soon as possible. Dr. Timothy Sly with us, epidemiologist, professor, School of Population and Public Health, Ryerson University. Tim, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend. Thanks, God. I just wish I had more pleasant news every time. I know. I hear you, man. On the news and information you've missed, this is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Lots to talk about with Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture guru. She is with us now. Alyssa, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. I most certainly am and always great to talk to you, Scott. So let's get to our agenda. It's a good I one. I know. 
Tons to plow through here. Uh, David Suzuki apologizes for his blowing up of the pipelines comment. Uh, uh, the Alberta premier, I saw a headline today and it said uh, he apologized because of what Alberta said. Is like, is anybody else concerned about this? Is it just Alberta? Uh, your thoughts on uh, his comments and his position to be saying such things? Well, if you want to try and make yourself relevant again, being tr- going with a clickbait headline or a soundbite, can be the way to do it, Scott, but in this case, when you're advocating for violence, it is not. And you know that it really fell flat because the David Suzuki Foundation itself, and let's remember that when Suzuki said this comment, he was wearing a sweatshirt that boasts the logo of his foundation, and then the foundation comes out and says, listen, we do not condone any of this, uh, any, any any of what David Suzuki himself is saying, and we do not condone violence or blowing up of pipelines. So that really backfired because that's a real credibility issue, not just for Suzuki himself, which some people either love or hate. I don't think there's that much middle ground with him. But when the foundation that bears your name says, uh, listen, we are taking a step back from this. This is not what we support. That's just a big branding problem. Uh, you, you use the word credibility. That was my next question. What does this do to his? I mean, obviously, he's a very prominent person in the environmental movement. However, this is the words of an extremist, of, a, of an extreme activist. And and I'm not sure people like this with comments like that uh, do anything to advance this discussion. They only create more divisiveness, more arguing. Um, so, uh, again, uh, is this just his passion or is this him going over the edge? I think it's him going over the edge. I think he hit the nail on the head with this one, Scott, because, you know, there's a difference between passion and extremism. And yeah. there's they don't link up at all. So if you want to be passionate about the cause and explain to us as a public why this is a problem, then do that. But if you want to say, well, let's just blow the whole thing up, well, yeah. what does that say? And we are right now in an atmosphere where there's a lot of extremists who are making a lot of noise. And this just piled on top of that. So, you know, t- read the room, David Suzuki. Look to see what's going out there. There's lots of noise. There's lots of people screaming about, an- you know, especially the anti-vaxxers. And quite honestly, the general public is either frightened of it or tired of it. So this certainly did not add to his cause. Uh, all right, let's talk about the story of the Chapman Ice Cream, uh, Chapman's Ice Cream Company. This is an Ontario company, and, and I guess tried to get their people vaccinated during the early stages of this pandemic when the vaccine was uh, readily available. And uh, then they realized they were paying more money to the people who weren't vaccinated through testing and decided to spin it and turn it around and, and say, anybody who has a vaccine, we're going to give you a dollar raise. And then, of course, the anti-vaxxers jumped on board and started screaming at them, and that rose their profile. And and as a result, are selling more ice cream. Well, am I ever glad to see this story? Because I have to tell you, anti-vaxxers are a very small but well-organized and vocal minority. So if you are talking about vaccines, if you are a physician who is on social media talking about vaccines, they come after you hard with vitriol and with violent threats. And right now, the terms and conditions on social media really cannot protect anybody from this violence. And even if you turn your comments off, Scott, they will still go through to you on direct message. Mm -hmm. So here you have a company that has already a huge bank built of goodwill 
over the years, over the decades, I mean, these, these are the people who said, listen, we have freezers. Give us your vac- vaccines. We'll store your vaccines. Mm. They've been paying uh, pandemic pay to their employees since the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, they were one of the first companies that have done it. And those are just two examples of the social conscious that Chapman's has had. And it's been broadcasted in a way not in boastful, but this is just the type of people we are. So when they come out with this, you know, the anti-vaxxers are going to come out screaming. And listen, it's frightening when you start receiving those messages. And I think Ashley Chapman basically said it was crazy frightening. But then organically, the supporters of what they were doing came out two to one. And they thought, you know what, this is the right thing to do. We're not going to change our point of view. And we're going to stay the course. And as a result, people are like, you know what, I'm going to the supermarket and I'm buying Chapman's ice cream. The one thing that extremists forget is they're in the minority. They're not in the majority. That's why they're extreme. Let's talk about, we've talked about this for a few years on the show uh, since we've had you on, that being Olympic jerseys. And the new hockey jerseys came out, and immediately people started saying, well, that's not a Maple Leaf. That's a London whatever, whatever Maple. I have no idea what that is. To me, I thought you put a stem on it. It's a cannabis leaf. But what are your thoughts of the uh, of the hockey jerseys? Okay, I mean, I took a look at this, Scott, and Will did say that you had some very specific, you know, thoughts on what this jersey looked like. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I... I I don't think it's bad at all. I just thought it looks like a pot leaf to me. Well, listen, you You put a stem on it. We're there. I, listen, I don't mind it. You know, Olympic jerseys are always, any Olympic design is really held up for criticism. You oh, know, yeah. with the exception of when Roots first came out with a branded Olympic identity. I still remember watching it. I think they were marching in Seoul. It was the early 2000s. And I, I phoned my husband and I said, the country of Roots just walked by. Yeah, so yeah. and and everybody ran after those jackets over the yeah. over the berets. You still remember um, the owners of Roots giving over to Canada, you know, sought after berets to, or caps to uh, Prince Andrew and Harry. I mean, it was the. It, 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 it was really uh, it hit for the cycle in terms of you know how well this can work. So I think that you know since then nothing is ever really measured up. I think yeah. a lot of people have tried, and honestly, people really just jump on with the negativity as, versus seeing you know the positivity or the good things about it. And yeah, I, I I do think they look great. There's nothing wrong with them at all. Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture expert, always fun. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend. And you too, Scott. Thanks for having me. The truth and only the truth. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. It is 5.52. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. I could never handle um, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus because he was singing cowboy songs and he had on high top sneakers. He didn't have cowboy boots on. So for me, that just... Just not not authentic, I don't think. Uh, joining us now is uh, Scott Radley. Scott Radley is host of the Scott Radley Show, columnist in your Hamilton Spectator, and you can hear him a little later, right after the 6 o'clock news. He is with us now. Scott, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. I am. Are you sure that was really a legitimate request, or was Will just starting to get into what's legal now in this country? And, you know, it's Friday and getting an early start on his favor. Maybe I, you know, it's it's hard to say. Um, but remember when that song was huge? And again, oh, yeah. every, every time I saw him, he was wearing high top running shoes. It's like if you're a country star, you got to wear cowboy boots. What's with what's with the high top running shoes? Didn't understand that. Yeah, and, and can you name one other Billy Ray Cyrus song? Nope. No, nope, neither can I. I don't think there <laughs> are right. any others. 
All right, let's move on. Uh, poll question of the day. Uh, what Hamilton sporting event are you most looking forward to? Mm. This is this is pretty cool, Scott. When you look on the horizon, and we got a great cup, a World Cup qualifier, and an outdoor hockey game all coming up. The poll says unofficially, of course, uh, people are looking forward to the great cup, 31%. The World Cup qualifier, 46%. And the outdoor game with the Leafs and Sabres, uh, 21%. What are your thoughts? Uh, boy, the World Cup has drawn a lot of attention. I'm surprised that the voting is that close, honestly. Um, really? Well, the outdoor hockey game, look, it's great that it's going to be here and all the rest, but we've seen it many, many times now. Yeah, Not but it's still a Hamilton. big event. But still, it's a big event for Hamilton. I did think this would do better, and Ted blew the same thing off. Like, who cares about that? I don't know. I thought, And I know there's been a lot of them, but Hamilton hasn't seen one. You know, no. Uh, well, we have. We, we, we had the Bulldogs outdoor game back in, I think it was 2010 or 2011. I'm in um, NHL. Uh, not an NHL game. You're right. Um, so, you know, when we get a little bit closer to March, I'm sure the numbers for that one will go up. And um, depending on how the Ticats do this weekend and then potentially next, um, the numbers for the Grey Cup could go up dramatically if the Ticats are in it. I mean, yeah. keep in mind, we don't know who's going to be playing in that game. But look, the, the, the men's soccer team in this country, as you well know, for your lifespan and my lifespan, yeah, yeah, has generally been at risk of losing to the Swiss guards from Vatican City's team. <laughs> I mean, we are awful. We have been awful. And now, all of a sudden, you've got a team that is really good and fun to watch and winning and potentially going on to the World Cup. And look, Scott, there's something to be said for the first time you watch something happen and the first time you can jump on the bandwagon. When the Raptors mm-hmm. won their first championship, um, yeah. when the Blue Jays won their first championship, yeah. it, it, this is new. And so I'm not surprised. This is, it, again, the way they play, the fact that they're winning, and the fact that we've, we've seen our women do very well. Our women mm-hmm. have been excellent. But we've never seen the guys. It's new. I'm, I'm not surprised at all that this is the one right now that has people buzzing. All right. Uh, what are your predictions for the game this weekend against Montreal? Oh, man. Uh, you know, Funny, that's what you said last week. Uh, well, because uh, it would be fantastic for the Ticats to win and then win next week in Toronto would be in the Grey Cup. That would make the whole Grey Cup immensely more of a big deal around here. Um but I just I've stopped predicting Ticat games because they are so unpredictable. They look so mm. good at times and they look so terrible at times. I truly don't know. I, I assume that now that it's playoffs, everyone is completely focused and completely zoned in and it's a home game and all the rest. I'm assuming they're going to be really good. But would I bet a lot of money on that? Nope. I wouldn't bet money for them or against them because I truly, based on what they've done the last number of weeks and months, could not tell you what Ticat team is going to show up. I'll say this, though. If the Ticats show up and play as they are fully capable of playing, they win this thing no problem. It's just I can't tell you, and no one can say whether that's actually going to happen, whether that great Ticat team is going to be there. Scott Radley, uh, Scott Radley showed tonight, right after the 6 o'clock news, and you can read his column in your Hamilton Spectator. You do not want to miss it. Scott, as always, thanks for the time. Be well. Have a good time tonight. You too. Enjoy your weekend, Scott. I will, and you too.
Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. That is a wrap for the show. Thanks for listening. As always, greatly appreciated. Thanks to Will and Ted and Diane for participating. But as always, we leave it to you, the good CHML listener, to have the last word. Hey, it's Jamie, not West. It's Black Friday. You know what that means for me? Absolutely nothing! Ha <laughs> ha!